Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, December 9th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Mark Twain once said there are three kinds of lies. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. The government excels in all three, and you should always be wary. Just as an FYI, I had an insane schedule this week, and that made putting the show together a challenge. I had to do most of it way ahead of time. I'm actually recording this on Wednesday. Um, So if there was some big news on Thursday, I'm not covering it. But I did want to get a show out, and I thought I would take a little time to talk about the recent unemployment report, because it reveals exactly why we should be skeptical of government data and the spin that the mainstream puts on it. I would argue that the non-farm payroll report that the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out at the beginning of every month is one of the, if not the biggest market mover as far as regularly released government data. The CPI report, that's important. Uh, Of course, every quarter you get GDP. But These non-farm payroll reports, these jobs reports, have been huge market movers, uh, especially over the last year or so. And of course, this is because everybody anticipates that as long as we have a strong labor market, the Federal Reserve is going to be able to continue to push forward with rate hikes and monetary tightening. The reasoning here is that a strong labor market signals that the economy is okay. So it's really important to understand the dynamics of these jobs reports if you're an investor in precious metals or in anything else. Because we need to know, are are these numbers in fact telling us what we think they're telling us or what the mainstream spin says that they're uh, telling us? Now, I'm going to focus here on the BLS reports, but the general lesson here applies to a lot of the economic data we get from the government. Um, I've explained before how the government cooked the CPI formula to understate price increases in the economy. I mean, they literally just decided back in the 90s that CPI was too high, so they changed the formula to make it lower. That's why every month when the CPI report comes out, I remind you that the actual increase in prices is probably double what this government formula that they're reporting on is telling you. Now, you know, a lot of times it's not even that the data itself is suspect. It's just the way they spin it. They emphasize things to make the economy sound better than it is. Q3 GDP is a great example. Yes, it was up. But why was it up? It was up because the trade deficit was lower. The improvement in the trade deficit, the shrinking trade deficit, actually accounts for all of the GDP increase. And why was the trade deficit lower? Well, there were two reasons. For one thing, the U.S. was exporting a bunch of oil that Biden was pumping out of the strategic oil reserve. So that boosted imports. And then secondly, we had a strong dollar, and a strong dollar makes imports less expensive. So, you know, it wasn't so much that the economy really improved in Q3. It was basically just a function of accounting. Now we are getting a weakening dollar. The trade deficit is ballooning again. It's been up for, the, uh, for two straight months. 
And that will probably send GDP back into the seller in the fourth quarter. So always be skeptical, not only of the numbers themselves, the formulas that they're using, but also be skeptical of the spin. It's always important to dig into the numbers that they're giving you and look beyond the headline number. Look at the the underlying data, because oftentimes that tells a completely different story than what you're getting from the headline numbers. So let's look at the jobs report. They keep telling us that the economy is strong based on the fact that we keep getting good jobs reports. The labor market is resilient, they say. Everybody is hiring, they say. Now, honestly, I've suspected that these reports are hinky for some time. And if you were suspicious, well, your suspicions were correct. Based on the headline numbers we got in the November non-farm payroll report, the labor market is in fact strong. The economy added 263,000 jobs last month, which was well above the 200,000 job projection. The unemployment rate remained flat at a historically low 3.7%. Everybody said, man, this is great. The economy is good. Look at all of these jobs. I mean, Joe Biden is running around acting like he personally hired 263,000 people. And of course, the markets also took this as good news. And by good news, I mean bad news, because good economic news is bad news in 2022 America. Stocks, gold, silver immediately sold off as investors assumed that another solid jobs report means the Fed can continue to take an aggressive approach to its war on inflation, as I talked about just a minute ago. The dollar tanked. It was doom and gloom because a strong labor market probably means the Fed won't follow through on its pivot plans. And that's at least the conventional wisdom that we're dealing with here. So, you know, the reality is, and I've said this over and over again, we have an economy that was built on easy money. The Fed is in the process of taking that easy money punch bowl away. The party's over, and the markets are hoping against hope that the Fed will give the punch bowl back, that it'll find some reason to stop tightening monetary policy and and please loosen monetary policy, they're thinking. So a bad, uh, a good jobs report kind of goes against that because that shows the economy is strong and the Fed can keep pulling away the punch bowl. Now, you don't have to dig very far into these government numbers to realize that they just don't add up. There is a lot of fuzzy math here. Okay, go back to our good friend Mark Twain, you know, damn lies and statistics. The BLS actually releases data based on two surveys. There's the household survey and the establishment survey. The headline numbers that we get, jobs created, this comes from the establishment survey. That's what the media reports. But the household surveys, they tell a completely different story. While the establishment survey that you keep hearing about in the news has shown a healthy rise in new jobs every single month for month on end, the household survey shows that job growth has actually been stagnant. In fact, based on the household survey, the number of employed people actually dropped by 138,000 people during this last period. So what's up with that? Here are the numbers. According to the establishment survey, the economy has added 2.69 million jobs since March. So that's the sum of all of these headline numbers you've been hearing. But based on the household survey, there were only 12,000 more employed people in November than there were in March. 
So who in the heck is working those 2.69 million jobs? You see, if you just listen to the headline reporting, you'll get the impression that there are all kinds of unemployed people out there running out and getting jobs. That's not happening at all. Let's look at the numbers a different way. As of March, there were 158.458 million employed workers in the United States. Last month, there were 158.470 million employed workers. Okay, I know in a podcast setting, it's hard to wrap your head around these numbers. Basically, what I just said is that the increase in employed workers was only 12,000 over that eight-month period. Meanwhile, the number of payrolls reportedly increased by 2.7 million. We have 2.7 million new jobs and 12,000 new workers. How do you explain this divergence? Well, part of it is due to the way each survey is counting a job. The household survey counts employed people. So if you have two jobs, you're still just counted as one employed person in the survey. But if you're working a full-time job, and then you go out and get a part-time job in order to make ends meet, the establishment survey will count that as a new job. One person with two jobs counts as two jobs in the establishment survey, but only one employed person in the household survey. So in other words, a lot of the new jobs in the establishment survey are actually people getting second or even third jobs trying to stay ahead of rapidly rising prices. Every time a person gets a job delivering pizza because they can't pay their bills with their full-time job, that's a new job supposedly created by Joe Biden. Every time a person gets laid off from their main gig and gets a job waiting tables, new job. If a person goes out and gets three part-time jobs because that's all they can get, that's three new jobs. So you can have an economy going into the crapper that is still producing jobs. That's why you really have to look closely at the household survey along with the establishment survey. So get this, based on the household survey, the U.S. economy has lost 398,000 full-time workers since March. Now, to me, that doesn't scream, this is a fantastic, great labor market, right? That was offset by a gain of 190,000 part-time workers. So we're losing full-time workers, and these people are just going out and getting part-time jobs, and that's considered job growth. Meanwhile, the number of people working two jobs rose by 291,000 workers since March. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not looking at this and thinking, man, this economy's buzzing. No, actually, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, yikes. Another factor that juices the number of new jobs is the establishment survey does not count unincorporated self-employed workers. So in other words, my job, I'm self-employed, my job doesn't count as a job in the, uh, in the world of the establishment survey. A small business, or if a small business shuts down and those workers shift into a corporate job, the establishment survey records them as new jobs, even though the worker has only shifted from uncounted self-employed work to counted corporate work. So let's say for some reason, Shiftgold decides they don't want a podcast anymore, and uh, I have to go out and, and get a job delivering pizzas. Based on the establishment survey, that's a new job. 
that, that again, Joe Biden's created for you. So you can see where we're getting this, this discrepancy in the number of employed people and the number of jobs. As an article on Fox News explained, there is no change in the number of people employed, but the headline jobs number actually increases because the person merely shifts from an uncounted category to one which is counted. I mentioned how this CPI formula is cooked to make rising prices seem less onerous than they were. Well, you know, the BLS also has ways of cooking its numbers. For instance, it factors in birth-death adjustments every month, which are really nothing more than wild guesses. And they can basically toy with these adjustments to change the outcome. These birth-death adjustments hit a record high of 455000 in October. Interestingly, Zero Hedge points out that we saw similar large divergences between the household and establishment surveys right before the second Obama election and also prior to Hillary Clinton challenging Donald Trump in 2020. Now, I'm not saying that the people at the BLS are intentionally manipulating data to help Democratic Party messaging, but I'm not saying they're not either. The following statement from a friend of mine who closely follows economics and and this kind of data, he really summed this up perfectly. I'm going to read verbatim what he said. All these numbers are estimates based on a phone survey. In other words, it's all BS models. There is no mechanism that BLS could access to actually know how many jobs were created or new employment. Employers don't report anything that would allow this to be known. They report this poo every month, and people believe it like it's a temperature measurement. It's 100% made up BS. Like, they literally just make it up. It's whatever they want it to be. Zero Hedge did a pretty good summation of what's going on with this data. And by the way, they are saying that the BLS is just trying to make Biden look good. Zero Hedge said, so what's going on here? The simple answer, as shocking as this may sound, there has been no change in the number of people actually employed in the past eight months. But due to deterioration in the economy, more people are losing their higher paying full-time jobs and switching into much lower paying, benefit-free part-time jobs, which also forces many to work more than one job, a rotation which picked up in earnest sometime in March and which has only been captured by the household survey. Meanwhile, the establishment survey plows ahead with its politically motivated approximations, seasonal adjustments, and other labor market goal-seeking meant to make the Biden administration look good and provide the Fed with ammo to keep rates high, thus forcing even more real layoffs, which unfortunately the BLS is incapable of capturing due to political reasons. So my advice, if nothing else, whenever you hear jobs reports, CPI, GDP, any of these government-manufactured numbers, take them with a grain of salt. Alrighty then, before I sign off, I do want to cover one bit of gold news that came out this week that I think is pretty interesting. After adding a historically high amount of gold to reserves in the third quarter, central banks kicked off the fourth quarter buying more gold. According to data compiled by the World Gold Council, central banks globally added another 31 tons of gold to official reserves in October. Uh, There's a two-month lag on this uh, central bank data. Total central bank gold holdings are now at the highest level since 1974. 
The central bank of the UAE was actually the largest gold buyer in October. Uh, it added just over nine tons of gold to its reserves. Other buyers were Turkey, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, and Qatar. Uh, and these are countries we've seen consistently buying gold. There's a number of central banks that have been consistently buying gold over the last year. Um, and in, these are included right in that group. Um, updated IMF data also showed that the National Bank of Cambodia bought uh, a net of two tons of gold um, as of the end of September. And these purchase w- purchases were made between July and September. The numbers reflect officially reported gold purchases. Most central banks report whenever they buy or sell gold. But there were large unreported increases in gold holdings in the third quarter. Now, central banks that often fail to report purchases, you'll you'll not be shocked by this, include China and Russia. And many analysts believe that China is the mystery buyer stockpiling gold to minimize exposure to the dollar. And interestingly, if you look at their uh, holdings of U.S. Treasuries, they've been selling off U.S. Treasuries over the last several months. Um, So, you know, a lot of people think that China has a lot more gold than they officially report. And the fact of the matter is they kind of have a history of not reporting it for a long time. And then for whatever reason, they'll decide to announce their totals and they'll be like a huge amount more. They have way more gold than they had the last time they said anything. Um, that's just the nature of the, the Chinese government. But, you know, it makes sense for both China and Russia to want to hold gold, uh, given the fact that the U.S. has used the dollar as a foreign policy tool. Um, it has locked Russia out of the SWIFT payment system, which is denominated in dollars. So you're seeing a lot of countries try to diversify at least somewhat away from the dollar. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think in the long run, uh, the dollar is going to fall from its perch as the reserve currency, and it'll be replaced by maybe a basket of other currencies, and and maybe we'll go back to gold, who knows. Uh, But obviously, there are a lot of countries right now that are buying a lot of gold. Um, So why are central banks stocking up on gold besides you know, to uh, diversify away from the dollar. Bloomberg offers one explanation, quote, bullion does have one crucial advantage. Unlike bonds, it doesn't bind you into a relationship with an unreliable counterparty. In a world where you can trust no one, it makes sense to bulletproof yourself with metal. So in other words, gold does not have a counterparty risk. All other currencies... And uh, most assets actually have counterparty risk. A bond has a counterparty risk. If you buy a government bond and that government goes bankrupt, uh, it's possible that you'll never get your money back out of that bond. Same thing with corporate bonds, uh, money in the bank. Most things have counterparty risk. Gold in your safe, in your house, has no counterparty risk. There's nothing behind it that can fail. Gold's value is intrinsic. Uh, It'll always be there. Um, Think about the dollar. The dollar is backed by the good faith and credit of the U.S. government. Now, if you ask me, that ain't saying much. So, I think that's interesting. I like the way they put it. In a world where you can trust no one, it makes sense to bulletproof yourself with metal, silver and gold. 
So including unreported purchases, central banks have added nearly 400 tons of gold. That was uh, in the third quarter. Uh, And again, this is data that is compiled by the World Gold Council. This was 300% higher than the third quarter of 2021, and it was the largest quarterly increase in central bank gold reserves since the World Gold Council started keeping those records in the year 2000. Now, of course, as I've talked about before, central banks aren't the only ones buying gold right now. Physical demand for gold has been robust all year. And I think there's a misconception out there because the price of gold has been relatively suppressed, uh, again, because of the strong dollar, because of anticipation of the Fed raising interest rates. I think a lot of people think that because uh, the price has kind of been down, that uh, nobody wants gold. That's not true. Demand for physical gold and physical silver have been extremely robust over the past year. Where we've seen weakness is in the paper gold market. The institutional investors, they're the ones that are kind of spurning gold right now. Um, But There are a lot of people out there who want gold, but they want gold that they can physically hold in their hands. They're trying to minimize that counterparty risk. Again, you you buy a gold ETF, you buy paper gold, you have a counterparty risk. There's another party that actually holds the gold. So people want physical gold in their own hands. Now, if you want to consider adding gold to your portfolio... You can talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can do it today. You can call 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can email them, info at shiftgold.com, or just go to shiftgold.com, go to the Getting Started tab, and you can chat with a Precious Metal Specialist right there online. I say this every week. These guys are fantastic. They're knowledgeable. Uh, They're going to offer the best prices, and they're going to listen to you. They're going to look at your portfolio. They're going to look at your investment needs, your goals, and talk to you about how precious metals might fit into your investment strategy. So give them a call today. So with that, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on uh, the Google Podcast. We're on Stitcher. Uh, we're on YouTube. You'll find links to all of the places you can subscribe to the show over on the show notes page at shiftgold.com slash news. Uh, if you want to Email me, feel free, mmahary, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y, at shiftgold.com. Love hearing from folks. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I'll talk to you all again next week.